Welcome to What Would Kay Say? I'm your host, Kay Edwards, and I just want to say thank you for joining me this morning. I hope you um, got your coffee, got your tea, whatever it is that you have when you're normally listening to me on a Sunday morning. But before I get into the show, I'd like to do my housekeeping. Friends, COVID-19 is disrupting everyone's lives right now, and Radio Free Brooklyn is no exception. We want you to know that we have made every effort to ensure the health and well-being of our host, staff, and the community at large. We've closed both our studios and canceled live events, but our hosts are still doing their best to continue bringing new original programming by broadcasting live or pre-recording from their home studios or by selecting the best rebroadcasts of their past shows. With most of our revenue streams evaporated, we need your help. We realize you may be hurting, but if you can afford a small donation, it would go a long way towards helping us stay on the air. So, you know we have a birthday coming up in May, 
and we're still taking donations for our birthday. Hopefully we won't still be on lockdown, but the way it seems we will. Um, so you can give a donation to RFBGIVE5. You can text that to 44321. And it only takes a moment and you will be able to use your digital wallet for your donations. And we appreciate everything that you give to us. If you go to our website, you'll see our donate button. You can press that. We have tons of goodies on the website that you can buy, t-shirts and all all types of stuff. So go on the website, see what you like, purchase a couple of things and help us keep these great shows like mine on the air. So now, I want to get started with today's show, and I just wanted to, um, I wanted to just say, how is everyone feeling? First of all, regardless of what the, what's happening with the weather in your area, it's a beautiful day, and it's a beautiful day that the Lord has made, and we're going to do what? Rejoice and be glad in it. Now, just saying those words gave me a feeling in my body. And that's because before this pandemic, I would always say that to people. I would always say it even to myself looking in the mirror. I would always say it. But ever since this whole lockdown, isolation, distancing, whatever you want to call it, those those words have taken on a whole new meaning. At least it's like, Because of everything that's happening, everybody's life has been turned upside down. And when you hear on the news, which I've totally stopped listening to, but when you hear on the news, you know, the number of deaths, the number of people that's going in, yes, the number is going down, but it's still a tremendous amount of people that are in the hospitals and they're talking about not having the um, PPE equipment and all that other kind of stuff. Anyone that can say that scripture today should be saying it with fervor because we are truly blessed to be here, to be healthy, to be safe. There's some people that did not see this morning. And I'm sure there's some people that know of people that that has happened to. So my hearts go out to anyone that's, near the sound of my, that can hear me speaking. If you've lost a loved one, my prayers and my condolences go out to you and your family members. And it's, it's a sad, tragic thing that we're experiencing right now. So when you say those words, this is the day that the Lord has made and we will rejoice and be glad in it. We should truly rejoice and be glad in it. Truly. Because today, tomorrow, none of this is promised to any of us. So with that, I'd like to say hello to all my listeners. And I'm going to give a roll call shout out. I'm not going to say any names because I don't embarrass people on the air like that. But I want to give a roll call shout out to their location where they live. So, of course, you know we're going to start with Brooklyn. We have got to start with Brooklyn, of course. Of course, how could we not start with Brooklyn? So, from Brooklyn, we're going to go over to Queens. Now, look, I'm not doing this in any particular order. 
So don't say, well, why is she jumping from that one to the next one to the next? I do it as it comes to my mind. So whichever place pops up in my mind where I know I have people there that are listening to me, that's how I'm going to say the, the locations. So we're going to start with Brooklyn. Good morning, Brooklyn. Good morning, Queens. Hey there, Staten Island. Good morning, Harlem. Good morning, Washington Heights and Fort Washington. The Boogie Down Bronx. Good morning, Poughkeepsie. Good morning, Long Island. You up there in Vermont, I see you. Good morning, New Jersey. Good morning, Philadelphia. Good morning to the DMV. You know my ladies out there in Virginia and Washington. Good morning, Atlanta, Georgia. Good morning, North Carolina. Good morning, South Carolina. Good morning, Alabama. Good morning, Ohio, Kentucky, and Michigan. Good morning, Florida, Texas, Nevada, Arizona, California, my friends up north in Canada. And last but not least, my Caribbean posse in the TNT, Barbados and Grenada. Good morning to all of you. I thank you for tuning in. I thank you for joining me every Sunday, for getting up for listening to me, to giving me the encouragement to keep coming on, to give you the information that I feel is relevant and that we can all use to help our lives better in this whole situation that's going on. So with that, I wanna start today's show. And today, I'd like to talk about AI. Now we know AI is artificial intelligence, right? AI is a constellation of technologies from machine learning to natural language processing that allows machines to sense, comprehend, act, and learn. Why does it matter? Artificial intelligence will transform the relationship between people and technology, charging our creativity and skills. Where is it going? The future of AI promises a new era of disruption and productivity where human ingenuity is enhanced by speed and precision. Now, all that I got, it was all, of course, you know, the way I was reading it, of course, it was textbook. It was totally textbook. But when I think about it, when they gave the definition of what AI is, AI is a constellation of technologies from machine learning to natural language processing, right? That allows machines to sense, comprehend, act, and learn. So when I thought about it, I said a constellation, why would they use that word to describe artificial intelligence? So I looked up constellation. To me, constellation was always things that had to do with the stars. But when I got the the definition of constellation, A constellation is an area on the celestial sphere in which a group of stars form an imaginary outline or pattern, typically representing an animal, mythological person, or creature, or an inanimate object. So I got to thinking, they use the word constellation to describe AI. And I just gave you the definition of what a constellation is. So I took the definition of constellation and switched it and plugged AI 
their definition into what I just read for you. And this is what I got. AI is a constellation of technologies. Constellations are found in the sky. So AI is an area of the celestial sphere in which a group of technologies form an imaginary outline or pattern typically representing and you can fill in the blank because the a the way they're using ai today it could represent anything so ai is anywhere in your home from your kitchen to your bedroom and when i say to your bedroom i'm not just talking about the alexa that's on the the nightstand next to you they've gotten into things in AI that I, when I was looking up on the internet, I was like, wow, they really are going with this stuff. But excuse me. When you think about like, say Amazon or, okay. If Amazon recommends a book for you to read or Netflix suggests a film or a TV show that you should watch, all those come from algorithms that examine what you've bought and watched before. And those algorithm algorithms, they learn your purchases. Um, so that's how they're able to give you suggestions on what you should do next with whatever it is, whether it's buying a dress or going shopping at the grocery store. And it's AI that's behind the algorithms. So simple artificial intelligence, It even filters your emails. It filters your emails to know what you would target as being spam and not being spam because it works on um, the context that's located in the email and what you have tagged as being spam from before. So even down to your emails and it's something as simple as we take as, oh yeah, throw that in the spam box and it'll just automatically put it there. Anything that has anything that's closely connected to that first email that you threw into that spam box, it's going to go right into that spam box. That's why a lot of times when you sign up for emails, they'll tell you, check your, check your spam box if you don't see it or let your machine know that this is not spam. Because if, it, if you've tagged something that's similar to that email previously, it's going to that trash box. So now here, I did the list of pros and cons when it comes to AI. So this is why AI is so important, why we, they feel that this technology that they're using right now is so important in our lives. Number one, it saves time. And whenever you say that to people, you automatically have them on board. They don't care what it is you're talking about. Once you talk about save time, everybody wants to be a part of it. So it saves time in the sense of for, now, this is for companies. Everything I'm talking about is based on a company experience and why they've gone and really rolled this out. Now, it saves time when it comes to companies because the tasks that they would have normal human beings doing, they are now giving it to the computers, like checking credit scores on applications when you put them in, like once you put your social security number in and they check your credit score, Whereas before, a human would have to go into the system, put your number in, check to see, read the data that comes up, how many times have you missed a payment, 
you know, how long have you had that credit card? How much debt are you actually in now? Once you fill out that application, boom, the computer spits that information out right away. It helps to optimize processes, which it means they can spot fraud right away. Also the same way they can do it with finding your, your, um, credit score and they do background checks and stuff. They can also do that with spotting fraudulent transactions. It reduces errors because let's just, let's just be real. Human beings make errors. I mean, what, what's our famous line? Well, I'm only human, right? You won't get that from a machine. They're not going to say, well, I'm only a machine because they're not going to make any mistakes. They're going to do whatever it is you tell them to do. It's cheaper in the long run. Now, when they, when companies think about, um, implementing AI into their corporations, they don't have to keep paying that employee or the number of employees a monthly salary because once they invest their money into that machine that has that program, that's a one-time investment and it just keeps paying and paying and paying for them. And it doesn't call in sick either. It can do all the hard jobs. It navigates to the ocean floor. They have machines like little robotic machines that can go do ocean floor exploration where humans could never go down that deep because number one, it's so dark. And number two, our lungs couldn't handle it. It can go into fires. It goes into earthquakes. It goes into tornadoes, places that humans could never go. These robots can now go. It improves everyday lives. Smartphones, everybody has a smartphone. Even babies now have smartphones. They, we're using it in our cars. We're using it with social media. Everything we're doing has AI attached to it. It does upgrades in medicine. There's certain things that they can do with medicines now that if they put that information into the system, it could tell you what type of side effects it's going to have on a particular body type with the, um, depending on the disease that that person has, it can actually tell you whether that medication, how it's going to affect that body by the weight, the height, everything, everything. It makes business more efficient. Artificial intelligence usually contributes to executing mundane tasks by eliminating the need to hire people for low skilled jobs. It's able to handle way bigger workloads and it makes the companies more efficient. So stuff that they're saying when they say it, um, it handles bigger workloads. They're thinking about how somebody would be at a desk and they may have to go through paperwork and they might go through, say if it's applications for a mortgage or some type of loan, they might have to go through, or as a human, if they're really dotting the I's and crossing the T's, they may only get to six or seven applications a day. If they're really being thorough and checking everything the way they should. Whereas once they slip those applications into the computer, that computer is doing over 12,000 applications, over 12,000 a day. So you have a human that was doing six or seven compared to a computer that can do 12,000. You know, the company, what do you think the company is going to do? They're going to want to invest into that darn computer. So that's the pros 
of what AI gives us. Now here's the cons. Of course, just saying what I said about the computer, able to do 12,000 as opposed to a human doing seven job losses. Like who's gonna wanna hire a human and how many humans are you gonna have to hire to get 12,000 applications processed in a day? Number two, the risk of it taking over humanity. And now look, this is what I found out. A few months ago, a CEO of a $97 billion artificial intelligence hedge fund revealed that even the, even the developers of that proprietary system, which they were using for their hedge funds, they couldn't understand or explain why the computer was trading the way that it was trading. Even though the computer was making them money, the computer was racking in enormous profits. But when they went to sit down to analyze why would the computer make this trade over another trade, knowing that when they looked at the data, they wouldn't have made that decision, they couldn't understand why the computer did it. So how is the computer thinking quicker and better than the human? Now, it lacks the judgment skills. Now, here it is. If you, here we go back to, if we say, um, what was I saying? Oh, contracts again, right? Now say if you have, uh, you, you put in for an application, an application for a loan. And you know, usually you're sitting there, you're talking to the loan officer. Well, back in the day, you used to talk to the loan officer or whatever, and you can, actually plead your case or state your case as to why you needed to take this loan. And even if everything, everything didn't look perfectly great on your credit with your credit score, or, you know, you might've missed a couple of payments here and there, you still were able to do some type of negotiation because they can see in overall the long run, you know, you, you would be a good candidate to give this money to the system's not going to do that. They're going to look at your application. They're going to say, mm, mm, no, depending on what the criteria was, was, which was cut off for obtaining that loan, that system is going to just look at that application and spit out the answer. It's not going to sit there and evaluate, oh, you know, he did have to work overtime. So sometimes he gets extra, you know, extra work on the weekend. So that would be extra income that comes in because you're not going to put that on the paper because you don't know if you're going to get overtime, but talking to a loan officer, you can say that, well, you know, sometimes I get to pick up extra jobs. I get to pick up extra hours and that, you know, that money I could throw towards the loan, however you want to word it, but you can't do that once you put it on paper and you're just filling out straight blank what the questions are saying on the application. So once you answer it and the computer picks that up, that's it. Application done. Also, it's limited to the data that it's fed. So that means whatever is put in the system, that's what's going to come out of the system. So here's where it gets a little dangerous. And this is where I had in the beginning, what made me want to look into this from before was because you can place biases inside of the system be it good or bad. So when you, um, okay. Like when you want to think about someone who would be say racist or discriminatory against, um, 
uh, same same sex couples or um, interracial couples or short people or people with um, disabilities or um, mental issues, all those things can be placed into the algorithms that the computer will weed out according to however they put it into the computer, but it has the capacity, it has the ability to weed out all those things that you might have put there to say is, okay, no, we don't want this, we don't want this, we don't want this, and we don't want this. Whereas before, if you went for, um, say housing, because housing is always the one where people are discriminated against the most. Um, You go for an apartment. They see you. As soon as you walk into the door, they see you. You see the face, you see the facial expression of the realtor. So right then and there, you know who you're dealing with. But now you could fill out an application online and apply and they don't even have to see you, but they already know what you look like. They already know where, um, according to your income, according to what type of job you have, there's certain things that they put into the program that it lets them know who might be same sex couples, same sex couples, who might be short, who might have a, um, disabilities, who might be, whatever their criteria is that they want to keep out, they can put that in the system in order to get it, um, to get it, um, flagged and it wasn't, it won't even go through. So that's one way that it's really, um, dangerous. And also, it becomes cheaper than human labor, which we discussed earlier when we said about the job losses. And if the company's gonna, like I said, if they're gonna invest money overall, they would they prefer to invest money in um, computers or systems or programs that they only have to spend it on one time and not have to keep employing people to do the same job in half the time. Um, when it comes to decision makings, decision making. Now here's something that it proved to be a problem with the self-driving cars, because see, once again, it was making decisions that didn't follow the rules of where a human would have been able to make those decisions. But since it's a computer, it's just going by, okay, if a is this, then do this. Not if A is this, oh, I see that, so let me go to the side and then go back. No, it's, if A is this, then do this. That's all it knows. Whereas a human can make the different judgments at a split second if they're driving a car, what they should do, what they shouldn't do. And they found that with these self-driving cars, they've proven to be deadly in some instances. And it was it, the, the cars were driven by artificial intelligence. Now, another thing is, it can change the structure of future companies and society. Now, this is what the author said. If AI lives up to the hype and becomes the dominant force of our future, in the end, we face a significant power overhaul that may destabilize the current structure of our society. And he said that to say, Think about the companies that are on top now. You have the telecommunications companies. You have, you used to have um, big businesses. It was the banks, things of that nature. But now the ones who are going to be taking over those spots are going to be the ones that's actually creating the programs 
and the computers that will use this artificial intelligence. So he says here, this means that the companies which manage to become the dominant force when it comes to shaping the use of artificial intelligence will actually shape our future according to their own vision and perception. That's dangerous. That's dangerous when you think about it. So now you have a group of people who, because everything's running on AI, get to dictate how we use AI. Now see, AI started out as being great for all, great as far as efficiency for all to make everybody's life easier. But now here you have companies that because they're designing the AI, they get to decide what should make you comfortable and what should be more efficient to you. What you should feel is efficient because that's what they want to be efficient. So with all that, whether we want it or not, AI is here to stay. Technology has brought us so many different positive measures that there's no way that we're going to turn back and say, oh no, I don't want this. Just imagine somebody told you you had to give up your cell phone. And I use that because that's the simplest form of AI that everybody has at their disposal. We don't have to be big business spending millions and millions and millions of dollars to be able to partake in artificial technology or artificial intelligence. Your smartphone is a form of artificial intelligence. When you talk to your phone, instead of typing into your phone, you're using artificial intelligence. When you talk to the Alexa or the Google or the little dot that's in your house, you're using artificial intelligence. So there's no way we're gonna give those things up because when you, if some people, they leave their cell phone home, their whole day is shot. If they don't have their cell phone in their pocket where they can constantly check whatever it is they're checking, their whole day is just, it, it's kaput. So artificial intelligence, he says, will make us a better society and help us solve some of the most serious problems that we are currently facing. But it's up to us. So now that's a profound statement, right? Serious problems that we are currently facing. So you would almost think that, <clears throat> excuse me, in this pandemic, with all this pushing of artificial intelligence, right now we should have had a machine that once you just plug in the symptoms of Corona, it should have spit out knowing all the information of all the drugs that we have and the combination of how drugs work when they, when they interface with humans of this size of this mag of this, you know, this body type and this type of underlying condition, it should have been able to tell us which cocktail we could throw together in order to get the vaccine. Right. Hmm. So although they're saying that it could help us solve serious problems, can it really help us solve serious problems? Cause you would think right now everybody would be running to the first AI machine, plugging all this data into it. Right. And if it works that fast, if it can go through 12,000, um, applications in a day, 
or even seconds, probably minutes, 12,000 in minutes. Why is it taking so long to analyze data put in about the coronavirus? I mean, I'm just asking. I don't know anything about artificial intelligence. I don't know anything about how it works. I just went by what I looked up and this is what I'm thinking. If it can, if it's that good and it can do all that drive cars, then why can't it figure out what cocktail we need to put together to make people better when they come down with the coronavirus? I'm just asking. Maybe this might be a good time to play a song. What do you think? Let me think about it. I think I want to. You know, usually when I put on a song, it helps us to take in all the information that I've given out thus far. So yeah, I'm going to play this song. So sit back and enjoy. Sometimes I feel like I'm going out of my mind Troubles they've got me They won't give me one good night Is my help. His very presence is help. 
you can run to him and know grace is mine, strength is mine, victory is mine. sung by Kim Cash Tate, who is a member of a group that I'm a member of on Facebook called The Entrusted Women. So when I found out that her um, her song had hit the Billboard charts, I was like, oh, wow, I could showcase some new music on the show. Because, you know, sometimes I like to have guest speakers, but since now we're I'm not in the studio, I haven't had a guest speaker in a long time. But um, at least I got to showcase a new song. So that's pretty cool. Congratulations. Shout out to you, Kim. All the best. So now thinking about this artificial intelligence, I also, I forgot to mention when I was talking about the biases that can be placed into the system, they actually did a study. And I believe that if I read it correctly, they don't even, they don't have to put it in there. I think it was... Let me look at this. I believe that it said they had ran some literature. They took some literature and they fed it into the system. And it was literature from like say 60s and 70s where they had certain word phrases associated with certain groups or genders. And because the the machine saw it repeatedly, it automatically associated it's a number, it's an encoding that they have. It's like a number encoding or embedding, they call it, that the machine automatically, when it saw that word, it flagged it to be attached to that gender or that particular individual. Like, for example, women back in the 50s and the 60s were always um, referred to as being emotional. So whenever the machine saw a writing or heard or had the word emotional attached to the word woman after it or used to describe a woman, the machine automatically flagged it as being, when they saw the word emotional, they, they tagged it as something that had to do with a woman because they hadn't seen it associated with a man the same amount of times. So just imagine if they have, for example, uh, short people, um, they tag them as overly aggressive or hostile because they're short. You know, short people are always hostile and overly aggressive. So if you constantly keep feeding that into the system, after a while, whenever the system picks up the word hostile or overly aggressive, it's automatically going to tag it that that's a short person that they're talking about. And they found that when they did this, when they did this study with literature from time periods that the machine did associate certain keywords that were used to describe individuals, the machine would do it on a, just a, a random sample that was just placed into it. So this artificial intelligence, like I said, it, it could be a godsend and it could be a curse. It just depends on whose hands it falls into and how we actually use it. And of course we know that's with anything, anything that we have in life, 
it could be a curse or a blessing. It's all in how you use it. But when you think about it, smartphones and smart TVs and smart refrigerators and smart stoves, those things are really good now. Those things have really made our lives so much simpler and so much easier to, we really can't do without any of them. But then I'm wondering sometimes, okay, we have all these things that are so smart and they can do all this work for us. So it's freeing us up to have more time to do what? Because even though we have all this technology that supposedly has been created to give us more time, we seem to have less time. And that doesn't make sense because before when we didn't have all the technology and we had to do everything for ourselves, we really what I guess we complained about not having enough time, but we more so complained about not having enough time because our time was always utilized doing something. So it wasn't like we didn't have enough time. We were just constantly busy and we were tired. Whereas now all this technology that we have, it makes our life simpler. It frees us up, but it frees us up to do what? And we're still complaining that we don't have enough time. So where is all the time that technology has saved up for us? Where has it gone? Like, what are we doing with it? Are we accomplishing more with it? Are we actually doing more with it to where is we're doing too much? Or are we wasting it? Are we actually letting it just slip away from us? And then by the time we realize that the time has passed and we can no longer get it back, then we're saying we don't have enough time. We're in fact, we have more than enough time now because of all the, all the, um, task that technology has removed from our lives and given us more time to do other things. Are we now wasting time? And we can see that now by being in our homes, since a lot of us are working from home and those of us who unfortunately who aren't working, but you're still home, you see how much time you actually do have, or you really don't have. You can actually put an assessment or a gauge on what you're doing with your time. Now that we've just been in the house continuously. And now from what I'm understanding, we're going to be in the house until at least May 15th, which me, I feel personally, it's going to have to go maybe longer than that because although they're saying that we're flattening the curve and there are less people that are being admitted and less people that are testing positive, that's only of the people that they're testing. What about the people that are not getting tested? What about the people who aren't paying attention to the fact that they should be wearing masks 
when they're out, their children should have masks on as well. What about the people who don't even believe that this is actually real? And I know that sounds strange with the governor coming on the television every day, the governor of both states, New York and New Jersey, and we have our mayor on, and we have the the doctor of health. With all these people that are on TV, with all the commercials that we have talking about social distancing, stay at least six feet away, they've already shut down schools, bars, anything that's not essential. The only thing that's open is like grocery stores, even some doctor's office offices. If it's not essential, like life or death, you're not going to the doctor for anything routine because they want you to stay in your home so you don't contract this disease. But even with all that, with the lines at the supermarkets, with the, the transportation, with talking about how um, policemen are sick and sanitation people are sick, I can't believe that there are still people who, when you speak to them, they think that this isn't real. So it almost makes me wonder, where are they living? What house are they quarantined in? Because maybe it's like the twilight zone. Maybe we're in altered states or something. Because if you even just, even if you just turn on your television, how could you not believe that this is actually happening? So I was kind of thinking, I said, is it that they're in denial? They don't want to believe that it's happening? Or is it really that far removed from them that they don't know anyone who's been affected by this? And sometimes it takes people a while to understand because if it's not directly affecting them, in any way, like if they don't know somebody's cousin's mother's husband's sister, then they don't, then it doesn't affect me. That's just something I saw on TV and that's probably not even real anyway. So I, I don't understand because I do see people sometimes when I look out the window, they're just walking through the streets like it's a regular day, no sort of protection on, or they're just jogging or the kids are just running ahead of their mother, whereas she can't even control who might walk near that child and might cough or sneeze as they're walking or run. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand the people who are now. I do understand this because this is just human nature and how people think. The people that are taking advantage of the fact that everyone is in this state and they now get to wear masks over their face that now they feel they could just rob and steal and, and just do like horrible things to people that are out in the street. And I'm like, really people, people are dying and you're worrying about stealing somebody's damn cell phone. Really? Is that what your life has resorted to? That the most important thing to you now, although there are thousands of people dying, the only thing you're worried about is stealing a cell phone. I'm like, come on, really? Enough is enough. When, do, when does anything ever just 
get a break. Can we just get a break from all that crap? Can we get a break from the nonsense? I mean, since we all are, you know, quarantined or distancing, can we just get a break from the nonsense? And all of you who want to act like you have no no sense whatsoever, can you just chill for a moment? People have other things that they have to worry about that they shouldn't have to worry about you on top of it. I mean, really. Stay inside. Stay home. I'm sure you have some place to hone up in. Wherever it is, go there and relax yourself. Enough. Nobody needs to be worrying about, okay, as I go to the supermarket and I have to stand on this line or are they going to make me stand outside the supermarket? And then as they're walking home, because there's no one on the streets now, that they're going to run into somebody crazy like you. And you're not even crazy because you thought about this when you left your house. So don't leave your house. How about thinking about that? Don't leave your house. Stay home and let everybody else do what they have to do with everything that's going on. So I guess, um, that's my ranting, right? That's my rant for the whole people acting like knuckleheads in this whole Corona pandemic that's going on. I'm like, the criminals know that there's not that many policemen on the street. So they're just like, they think it's a free for all, but they really don't know. They run into the wrong person. It's not going to be nice because everybody's on high anxiety, everyone. So nobody's really trying to deal with anybody acting outside of what they should be acting. So let's just keep calm, level head, everybody play nice and stay home. Just stay home and do what you're supposed to do. Let's see. Oh, I know last week, you know what our word was for the month. The word for the month, and I haven't spoken about this in a while because there's been other things going on. April has been a pretty busy kind of month. Um, Our word for the month was dominion. I had given that to you in the beginning. And I said I was going to give you a promise. We were going to have a promise every, um, every time we did a show. So the promise, I didn't give you one last week because last week was Easter. So I figured that promise was enough. The promise that he died on the cross for the remission of your sins was enough of a promise for you to carry from now to forever. But, um, I could still give you another promise because I said I was going to do that. Let's see. What could I give you as a promise to hold on to? Because these things, sometimes you could just recite them to yourself, you know, write them down, put them, like I said, we can put them on our vision boards or we can put them on our uh, journals. I hope everybody's still keeping their gratitude jars. We're coming up. Um, with the first quarter about to end and I hope everybody had had was able to do something on their five-year plan even if, no matter how small it was so just to kind of keep us in line and I mean with everything else that's happening right now just what we're doing just how we're carrying ourselves with this entire pandemic it's actually like I said before just helping our five-year plan anyway So let's see, what promise can I give you today that we can hold on to and we can post on our wall? Okay, here's a promise. Job 36, 11. 
If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. Job 36, 11. I think that was a pretty good promise. If they obey and serve him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasure. And that I just opened up the book and just turned to a page. And that's the first thing that popped out at me. So I guess that's what he wanted you to know. So that's a promise that we can hold on to. I'll have another promise come next week. I hope we all learned something concerning artificial intelligence and how we can use it wisely or try to influence others to use it wisely as well. Um, let's just try to stay safe. Let's try to get through this entire next month of being um, closed in again. The weather's going to start to break. So I know it's going to be kind of hard to get people to stay indoors. It's been hard as it was. And the weather wasn't all that great. They had like in, in Brooklyn here, we had a couple of 60 degree days and people just lost their mind. I guess it's just, they just want to get out of the house, but that's the scary part about this. If they don't really get a handle on who has it, who doesn't have it, what you can do to not, you know, to alleviate yourself from getting it. Or if we do get it, if they don't get any type of um, drugs to help you get over it, when the weather really breaks, people are going to go outside. I don't care what you tell them. They're not going to stay inside. So it's going to be even worse. So we really need to stay inside now so we could get some type of control over this. So when the weather does get nicer and we really do want to go out, although we're still going to have the social distance. So that's just a lot we're going to have to take in. It's a lot to consider. It's a lot that we need to think about. So and now I, I think the president was saying he wanted to open it up earlier, but I don't even think we're ready for that. But in any event, my time is growing short. I want everyone to have a blessed week. Everyone to have um, the rest of their day, the rest of this day, have a blessed day. Enjoy yourself. Like I said, whatever weather you're having, just enjoy it. Relax, meditate a little bit, drink some more tea, have another cup of coffee. <laughs> Until we're together again next week, I want everyone to be safe, be a blessing, be a blessing to one another. And remember, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Peace.
For those of you that think that gospel music has gone too far, you think we've gotten too radical with our message. Well, I got news for you. You ain't heard nothing yet. And if you don't know, now you know. Glory, glory. <laughs> you better put them hands together and act like you know up in here. <laughs> 